All right, guys. One thing I was reflecting on was when Mickey did his study on the old pastor that, that you know, in, in 1904 talked about, you know, Israel being a nation again. And everybody laughed at him. And then, you know, it just, it just confirms how the word of God is the same today as it was yesterday and it will be tomorrow. It never changes. God's word is always the same. That's why we can always depend on our God. Because he never changes and his word never changes. We look at his word and we believe in his word and we trust in him. And he's going to get us through anything, any, anything. I mean, just by me standing up here and just calming me, calming my nerves right now, we serve a good God. Um, so what I wanted to do, first of all, was I um, wanted to uh, look at the events the Lord did through Moses up to this point. You know, first of all, he did the nine plagues in Egypt, which devastated Egypt. But, you know, we, Pharaoh was such a, you know, uh, ornery man and such a hard heart that, that he just, you know, he couldn't believe it. And he just hardened his heart and continued to harden his heart. So God allowed him to harden his heart and left him to a hard heart. And then the Passover was instituted, the blood of the lamb. You know, and, and when I look at this whole study and all these events, Jesus was always there. There is always a foreshadow of Jesus in everything that happened. Jesus was always leading these people through, just like he's always there for us. The Holy Spirit is always, always bringing us through our tough times. Every time we, we have a roadblock or everything, every time we go through a tough time, God is willing to get us through it, but we have to look to him. We have to look to him. And then the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, which truly brought Pharaoh to his knees, but did it really. His heart stayed hard. And then uh, the mass exodus of the Hebrews with booty, which was prophesied by, by the Lord to Abraham in Genesis uh, fifteen fourteen. He said, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. And afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. They, 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 they basically came out with everything they needed. Uh, the the uh, Egyptians you know, supplied them with everything as they went out. And then the parting of the Red Sea. Can you believe that one? That was probably the one of the most awesome miracles God ever did. I mean, he took an ocean and split it open. And, that's, <laughs> and they walked on dry land. Can you imagine that? You know, especially, you know, if you were there and actually saw that, you know, that, that would that, that would have just blew my mind completely. I would have said, you know what, God, you are real. I don't have to worry about a single thing from this point on because you're going to take me through it. You're going to pull me through. You're going to get me through every everything that comes before me. You will get me through it. You know, it's funny. Uh, Jesus, it's, it's just so neat how even Jesus was... He even did a miracle almost just like this. You know, in Mark 4, 38 and 41 to 41, he said, But Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? 
And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus is in charge of all nature. All nature bows to Jesus. And, and, and uh, you know, how can we question what God can do in our lives, guys? You know, you know he, he, takes, he takes a person like me that, you know, in, in college, and the reason I went to college is I played football, but he gave me a speech class, and, and, and I was in a speech class, and the, the, one of my biggest fears is speaking in front of people. Every time... I get here. When I'm, in, when I'm preaching in the, in, the, in the county jail, it's like, it's no big deal. But I'm, when I'm preaching before my brothers here, it's just a whole different thing. It's a whole different, and I just, um, I just you know, anxiety just grabs me, but then I can know, you know, God, every time I get up here, you get me through it. You know, and, and that's what, every time God gets us through a thing, our trust, our faith and our trust should get stronger. Continuously gets stronger. You know, we find out as we go through this study that no matter what God did for them, they always complained and murmured from the things they saw. And God said, this was all written for our amonination so we can learn through their mistakes. But do we really learn from their mistakes or do we continue to make the same mistakes? Because I know that I do. And I know that my faith, my faith, uh, you know, gets all messed up sometimes. And I got to continue to go back to the word and go back to the to all the things that God has got me through so far. And it continues to get me stronger. It said all the things the Lord did for his people is summed up in Exodus 14, 30 and 31. It says, so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus, Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and, and his servant Moses. And then we have the songs of Miriam, uh, of Moses and Miriam. They, were, you know, they get to the other side and they're just praising God. They're just telling God how, how he saved them from the horse and the rider, how they saw the bodies wash up. And how everything was good. Everything was all, all of a sudden, everything's good. We're praising God. And all of a sudden, here comes the first rollback. You know, let's, let's get to the scriptures. Exodus 17. It said, then all the, all the, all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And. Um, and what happened was. Well, let's 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 take a step back. You know, before that, they, they uh, the Lord brought them to the waters, uh, to the to the bitter waters, in um, notes all screwed up. Hold on.
Yeah, 15, yes, thank you. To the bitter waters. And how did, how did, he, how did he have Moses make the water sweet? He threw a tree in there. Once again, another foreshadow of Jesus. What did Jesus do for us that set us free, that gave us living water? He died on the tree. And then, he, then God treated them to the oasis in Elam, the wells of water with 70 palm trees. It's funny, you know, I, I, eat, I, I eat palm dates all the time, and I, I love them. And I, I was thinking about, you know, they're sitting on all, all these palms, and they're just, you know, chowing down on dates and everything else. And, and God is just refreshing them, refreshing them, refreshing them. And then now we come to chapter 17. And then here we go, another, another test they're having, another test they're going through. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? And Moses was, was getting a little angry, a little fed up, because they keep complaining against Moses. Moses isn't in control here. He's trying to let them know that God is in control. You need to, you need to speak to God. And he said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to your food. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. And then he talks about. He says, why do you tempt the Lord? You know, what happens when you tempt somebody? You're testing somebody. Tempt means to test or dare God to use his power to prove himself. You know, <laughs> he just parted the Red Sea. I, I don't know how much power you can actually show people that prove that you are real. And, and you are the God of everything. You are the God of the earth. You are the God of the universe. You are the creator of everything. Everything bows to you. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. And in Luke 137 says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So we serve a God that can do all things, that can get us through any, any, any kind of uh, roadblock, any kind of uh, wall that's before us. We, we can go through it with God. But once again, the people complained to Moses in chapter 3, it says, I mean, in verse 3, it says, And the people thirsted for, for, the, for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with this thirst? I'll have a drink of water with this one. <laughs> right here, buddy. Water in the bottle. It says, once again, the people complained to Moses and they were displeased with him. And all they could do was look back to Egypt instead of looking forward and being excited to see what the Lord has was going to do next. You know, we often wonder how a believer can fall back into the world or backslide. And the, and the simple answer is it's easier. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to follow God. It's hard to deny self. And pick up your cross every day and follow him. The flesh, the flesh always wants to be taken care of. But we got to realize that um, 
as we go through our as we go through our walk with Christ, you can't continue to look backwards. I remember when I was a first, when I was a new believer and I and, and I became born again and I started uh, started my walk with Christ, and it just seemed like everything was coming against me all the time. Because that's when Satan puts that target. That's when that target's on your back. That's when Satan's coming after you. As soon as you become God's, then, then you're, you're on his hit list. And things are going to get tough. But see, that's okay because God allows us to go through those tests. Because it's the testing of our faith, like it says in James chapter 1. You know, it bring, brings forth perseverance and strength. And 1 John 2, 15 to 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things of, in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is it not of the Father, but it, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. See, God promised them a land of milk and honey. And God, God was more than happy to fulfill that promise for them. But they had to let go of the world. They had to quit looking back. And that's the problem with a lot of us sometimes. We, we always go, oh, the good old days. Were they really good? Were, were the good old days, when they looked back, they, all they saw was they, they were under taskmasters. They were, they were making bricks. They were slaves to the Egyptians. And I remember when I, when I first got born again, I started, I started that looking back stuff. And, and my taskmaster was alcohol and, and drugs. And I, I was abuser of women. That's, that was my taskmaster. When I look back like that, I get nauseous. When I look back into the world and where God saved me from. It's not the good old days. Those were the terrible days. Those are the days that I was separated from God. Those are the days when I was going to hell. If I had, I had perished in those days, there was no hope. But, but God brings that hope because I'm looking forward now. He says when the armor in Ephesians, when he talks about the armor, he talks about the armor covering the front side of you, not the back side. So the only way you're going to get strong in God is to move forward. It's to walk with God. It's to continue to move forward because the armor covers the front. It doesn't cover the back. When you start looking back, it, there's nothing there, guys. The world has nothing for us. It's, it's looking forward to the hope in our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he's coming soon. Look at the events of the world. What's going on in our world now? It's, it's getting closer and closer to God coming. Every day, he says, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, because every day we get closer to Jesus coming. And are we going to be ready? God calls us to be kings and priests of our homes. Are we being priests of our homes? Are we taking care of business at home first? Are we, are we taking, getting up and getting our kids to church and, and being that, that good man to our wife so our kids show, could see the example of their father? Because, see, we set the tone. We set the tone in our homes. I remember when my dad used to come home and he'd be in a bad mood. The whole house was like walking on eggshells. It wasn't a good thing. But when my dad came home happy, the house was happy. The home was happy. And that's, that's what we do. We set the tone in our homes. And God sees us doing our thing in our homes and taking care of our families and, 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 and setting 
setting everybody on the straight path. And then he uses us outside the home. And he continues to use us. And that's what's so hot, awesome about God. You know, he, he, takes, <laughs> you know, he takes the weak and the lame and he uses us. See, there's, 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 there's nobody that's, 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 that, that God can't use. I don't care who you are. Because if he uses me, he can use anybody in this room. I guarantee you. He uses me in, in, in the county jail twice a month. And, and believe me, man, I, I, I get blown away by people accepting Christ. And, and he uses that. And I know it's not me. I know it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does everything. The Holy Spirit's building the church. The Holy Spirit is live and well right now. And when anybody thinks that the Holy Spirit isn't out there working right now, they're crazy. Because it's not us. God's spirit is just so awesome. You know, um, the word tells us, he says, but Jesus said to them, not one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Are you looking back? Are you looking back saying, wow, man, this walk is hard. You know, I'm getting a little worn out. And, and, you know, it kind of was easier back in the day. But when you look at back in the day, I mean, I walked 40 years in my flesh. And, and these last 22 years that I've been walking with God, I, it doesn't even compare to the 40 years. Because I know where I'm going. I know when I, when I leave this earth, I'll go to heaven. There was a big question mark before. And, and, but I knew hell was real. I knew that was real. And I knew that if I continued my life the way it was going, then that's where I was going to end up. But, of course, we all believe the, dece- the, the deception of Satan. Oh, everybody goes to heaven. That's what, you know, I hung out with Catholics. Everybody goes to heaven. You know, it, it maybe not at, well, right away. You know, you might get prayed in there sooner or later. But you, but you hang out in purgatory for a little while. It's cool. It's cool. You know where they got that from? And Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus, where there's that big expanse and, 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 and Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham. But the rich man was burning already. Now, he said, I can't come from here to there or from there to here. So what's that tell me? That was a real place. And there was no purgatory there. There was nobody in the ocean on a boat. They were either in, in, in Abraham's bosom or in hell. And he says, I'm burning down here. I'm gnashing my teeth. You know, can, can you just dip your finger in some water and just give me a little taste? Man, that's torture. I don't want no part of that, guys. I want to be with God for eternity. And that's what, that's what changed my mind. My brother told me, he said, where are you going to go when you die? I'm going to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. Well, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? No, but I believe in God. See, Jesus is the key. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is all through the scriptures. Jesus was interceding for these guys. In the desert. Jesus is always here. And it just, uh, it just blows my mind that, that people just, uh, you know, our whole calendar is based on his life and death. How can you not? How can you not put this guy up? I mean, 
I don't know. It's it just, I mean, you look at the Jews, you know, they, they, you know, they looked at everything and they had scales on their eyes and they, they just wouldn't, didn't want to believe. But it's always our hard hearts. It's not, it's not God not wanting, to, wanting us to be in heaven because God wishes all men be in heaven. He says that in Peter. All men go to heaven. But we know all men aren't. He says the, 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 the gate is narrow to paradise. But it's wide to destruction because most of the world's not going to go to heaven. You know, it, it's just, it breaks my heart sometimes to see people that I love and I love dearly. That I know that are just hard-hearted. But you know what? You just keep praying. You keep, you keep putting them up and you keep living that example. Because not just talking the talk is going to do it. You better be walking the walk. Because if, if you're not, if you're talking to talk and not, and, and not walking to walk, what's, Jesus talks about, about hypocrisy all the time. And those are the worst. Woe to you. If, if you're embarrassing Christ, if you're not being that ambassador that you need to be, because we're all ambassadors. You know, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're not walking the walk, then just, just go sit in the closet. Just get out of the sight because you're embarrassing the rest of us. Because it reflects on all of us. Every time a Christian does something wrong, you see it in the news. Oh, that's the way you Christians are. You, know, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. I ain't be no Christian. Well, you know, it does hurt us. But it hurts them more because they're the ones that will never get to the kingdom because of their hard hearts and the way they think. Because we know that we all each have an individual relationship with God. And when one Christian does something wrong... We can't blame the whole group. Just like I, if somebody in the world does something wrong, I don't blame everybody. That's his problem. It's not, it's, it's not everybody's problem. It says in, um, in 4, it says, So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Moses is like, oh, man, I can't take this no more. But what did Moses do? What did, what did he do? The next thing Moses did was what we all need to do. Whenever life problems overwhelm us, we need to get on our knees and pray. But do we always do that, guys? Do we always? Don't we try to handle it? And the last thing is, oh, maybe I should pray. And all of a sudden, everything gets taken care of. But we always try to handle ourselves because, you know, we're knuckleheads. We're hard-headed. In Philippians 4, 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? That's what we need to do. We need to get on our knees, guys. And we need, we need to let our kids see us on our knees. And we need to let our kids see us opening the word of God and reading the word of God and sitting them down with us. And, hey, you know, you ever read this? Check this out. Check what God did here. Get them involved. Get your kids involved. Watch. Let them see you and your wife sitting down doing a study. It tells us to wash our, our wives with the word of God. That means it has to be a complete family thing at home. Everybody has to be involved. Because if, if, if it's just one, if it's just 
You know, the kids are going, oh, yeah, that's cool, Dad, but, you know, I got things to do. And when they get older, they, they get like that. And you almost got to say, hey, no, 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 back here, son. No, we're going we're gonna to read this. And, you know, my, my boy's pretty good. He, when he knows it comes to the word of God, he's, he, he, don't, he don't, I mean, even if he doesn't want to do it right now, he'll come and do it because he knows how serious I am about it. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, I love my boy. I love my wife. I love my family. And I want us all to be in heaven together. You know, I want to I want to share paradise and, and, and just uh, honoring God for for all eternity with my family. My mother, my mother just received God. She's 82 years old. Just accepted the Lord, you know, and and, it, you know, but she God had been working on her. You know, my older brother's a pastor, you know, so he's been working on all of us. You know, he's the one that told me that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to heaven. Not unless I accepted Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's always that one key word that somebody says that just gets you. And you're going, you know, let's see what he's saying. Let's see. Well, have you, you know, and and we're all, before, when we're in the world, we're all parrots. We just repeat what other people say. Oh, the Bible was just written by man. Oh, you can't, you can't, you can't depend on the Bible. This and that. But once you start reading the Bible and you start seeing all the prophecies that came true in this book, it's, it's, it's undeniable that this is the word of God because he's the only one that knows the future. See, we serve a God that knows the beginning and the end. When I was out there being a knucklehead running the streets and act like a fool and bullets flying and people getting shot and I'm wondering why I'm still standing here. Well, today is the day that I know why I'm still standing here because he already knew where I was going to be. He sees the big picture. He sees the beginning and the end. And, and, and you know, we, we're going, wow, what an awesome God. He's the only one that sees that. He's the only one that, that sees the future. And every single one of us are right now in this room on divine appointment. God has put us, every, every single one of us here, to fellowship with one another, to just lift up one another, to love one another. Because every single one of you guys are my brothers. And I, I, will, I will go down with you. Because that's, you know, that's the way we got to be. Fellowship is so important in our walk with God. It says in, um, in, in, in 6, it says, Behold, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. You know, God is, <laughs> you're in the desert. You see this big old rock there? And uh, he tells this man to go up there and just hit the rock. Just hit the rock. I'll, I'll take care of the rest. You know, I and mean, he really didn't have to hit the rock because when we look in Numbers 20, he told Moses to speak to the rock. And then Moses hit it twice. And no, Moses never got into the promised land because of that. And you got to figure they were in the desert. That, that was they just started. They just came. They just started their journey right here. By there, they've already been in the desert for 39 years. They're working on their, their last year just before they're coming out. 
And you know Moses is sick and tired of these suckers. And he's just at his, she's like, oh. And, and what happened? You know, when we represent God, we represent him in love and gentleness. You know, we're, we're, we're representing a holy God. Not a God of, of anger. I mean, God gets, gets angry. But when he calls us out to do something, we better do it in gentleness and love. And, 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 and he'll take care of the rest. But we make sure we represent him as a holy God. Because uh, he definitely deserves it. The man came down off his throne and, and, and came in the form of a man and died on the cross for us, guys. Shed his blood. There was no remission of sin without his blood because he was the perfect sacrifice. And, and, and then hung on a cross and then went in the ground for three days or a day and a half, three days. And then rose again and sealed our salvation. Our God. I mean, how awesome is that? Our God came off his throne and died for us. His creation. That's a loving God. I don't care who you are. That, that, that's a God that, that loves every single one of us. And knows our name. And knows every hair on our head. Well, on some of you guys' head. <laughs> every hair on my mustache. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> John, you could share some of that hair, bro. That's your bow garden over there. So we hit seven. It says, um, so he called the name of that place Masa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Can you imagine that? After... Everything he did up to this point, and they're still questioning, is the Lord among us or not? A cloud, a cloud during the day, a pillar of fire by night, is the Lord among us? I mean, I guess you just get used to it, huh? I, you just, you just kind of get complacent and say, oh, well, yeah, we see that every day. That's cool. You know, I, I don't know how you would, I mean, just not just be in awe all the time. But just that's just the way it is. You know, we do that in our walk, don't we? We do that. We get complacent. We, we, start, we start acting like, you know, hey, you know, God's going to get me through. No biggie. You know, I, I see this every day. No biggie. But it is biggie. It's always a biggie. And we got to remember that. So Mo- Moses in seven. So Moses was obedient to the Lord. And the people once again had their physical needs taken care of and were comforted and drank water from the rock, which was a foreshadow of Jesus. In Psalm 63, 1 and 2, it said, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. See, that's spiritual. See, they didn't understand spiritual yet. They just understood their physical needs. And God fulfilled every single one of them. You'd think, spiritually, they'd be going like, wow, that was supernatural. That was, that was spiritual. I mean, let me get, this is deep. 
but it's just not getting deep to them yet. It will because every single one of those adults die there because of their hard hearts, because of their disbelief. After what they saw, and all they can do is complain, well, you're going to kill our children and our livestock out here, and then he said, okay, you had just, you said it yourself. You will not make it out of the desert. Only two guys did, Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else stayed in that desert and was buried in that desert. You guys, don't, don't, don't get buried in the desert. Walk with God. Experience what God has because it's exciting. It's exciting. Now we shift, shift gears, and now the Hebrews are refreshed, and another test comes. Amalek in 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Amalek are the Amalekites, descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother, cousins to the Hebrews. And you know what? I, I don't know why there was so much bad blood between Jacob's descendants and Esau's descendants. You know, maybe it's because in Genesis 33, 14 to 17, when uh, Jacob ditched Ephraim. Remember when they saw each other, they finally met and, and, and Jacob thought, oh, man, my brother's going to kill me. You guys go that way and you go that way. And you guys, if you guys survive, then that's good. So all my family won't get wiped out. And what did Esau do? As soon as he saw Jacob, he, he was overwhelmed with love. And he came and he hugged him and cried and kissed, his, kissed on his shoulder and just, just loved on him. And he says, you know, listen, Mom, you know, why don't I leave a few of my men here to help you? And I'll meet you over, over in, um, where was it? In, um, I know I got it here. Here we go. Let me turn to it. Seer. Seer or seer. And anyways, we'll meet you there. And Jacob said, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I'm just going to go at my own pace. And eventually I'll, I'll, I'll hook up with you over there. So what did Jacob do? He said, <laughs> he ditched him. He went to Sukkoth. And, and I think. I don't know. I, I'm just saying, you know, it never says. But I'm just saying maybe, you know, that was the last draw for Esau. He says, man, sucker, ditch me again. What a deceiver. And that's what his name meant. He was a deceiver and he deceived them one more time. And so I guess maybe that's why they have bad blood through, through their generations. Because they, they fought all the way up to David. I mean, a Milikite claimed that he killed Saul. You know, the Milikites have been a thorn in the side all the way through. And Saul was supposed to wipe them all out, and he didn't. And, and, and it ended up backfiring on him. And then David had to go and, and, and fight with them. I mean, Milikites have been there for the whole run. And it says in, in 9, it says, And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of, of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. 
And so it was when Moses held his hand up and Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands had become heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. You know, that's what I was talking about, you know, fellowship. And, and, and how we need to always be standing with our brothers. Because sometimes our brothers get in situations where they, they need help. They need, they need somebody to come alongside of them. They need somebody to help them with the load. You know, God says the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. See, the workers are few because brothers aren't stepping up. You know, I mean, you can see it as we sit here. The women have to have Bible study in the sanctuary because there's so many of them. And we can just have it up here in the fellow, fellowship group. They outnumber us, guys. You know, God has put put it on us to take care of one another and take care of and, and, and be in fellowship. In Ecclesiastic 4, 9, and 9 to 12, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if, if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. You know, guys, we're, we're called to be warriors. We're called to, to fight the fight the fight. You know, to, to, to run a race right now and to move forward. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the contents of his friend. We got to stay together, guys. And we, we, we got we to gotta fight together. Because you know what? It's fierce out there right now. We're being attacked by all, all angles right now. I mean, look at the brothers over in, in, in Egypt. You know, the, the Christian church out there. I mean, and then in our own country, because, you know, well, Christians, ah, they're holding up Muslims and everybody else higher than us. We are the problem, guys, because we're going against same-sex marriage. We're going against um, um, abortion. You know, those are the two, two main things for me, those, those moral stance that we got to take. And, and the world, our, our country don't like us because of that. Because we're, we're, we're putting brakes on, on their little agendas. And, and their little money-making. I mean, Planned Parenthood. I mean, how can anybody stand up for this, 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 this organization? They're, they're killing babies and then selling their parts. How wicked is that? And then when the people bring it to, to light... They get per, pro, prosecuted. How, how can that be? You know, we're seeing stuff nowadays in our country that um, defies understanding, guys. I, I can't believe it half the time what's going on in our country. I mean, I, I'm looking at these, riot, these, these demonstrations, but they're riots. And, and big money is paying for all of this. Just to cause chaos, chaos. And what's, what's the board say? A country divided 
or a house divided will fall. And that's, that's all. They're, they're just doing the work of Satan. And you know what? They don't know it, but, but that's what they're doing. And I don't know, like Soros is a wicked man. And, and I, think, I think he knows it. And I think, he, I think half those, half those <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're a Democrat, don't come up here and hit me. But I, I, I believe they they go out there and they they're they're in the church of Satan, because everything they stand for is wicked, and they call it good. What did Isaiah say? Watch out for the days when they call good evil and evil good. Man, we're living in those days right now. We're we're you know we're right there. We're right there. Jesus is coming, guys, and he's coming real soon. And and. Uh, we have to be ready. When you hear the trumpet blast, you better look up. Because our Savior is calling us. In Psalm 133, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Our church has got to grow, and we have to be in unity. We have to be one. You know, there's, you know, Jesus, what, what, six, six seven churches? He he had, or, or no, out of the seven churches, five of them, he, he, had, he said, repent. The only two churches he didn't was the church of Philadelphia and the church of Smyrna. Smyrna is the persecuted church. We see Christians getting persecuted all over the world. And the true church, Smyrna, I mean, uh, Philadelphia, which I think is this church and other churches like us that truly are in the word of God, truly are studying the word of God, truly are going out and preaching the gospel. You know, I mean... I, I, you know, this is the only church that I've gone to. I've been saved for 22 years. This is the only church I've gone to in 22 years. And you can't sit under a pastor like Xavier and, and not do nothing. You know, I can't see how anybody could just be, be uh, uh, you know, idle in this church. You, you have to be moving. You have to be going. You have to be involved. And that's, what's, that's what fellowship and that's what unity is all about, especially with us men. Because we are the ones that God has put it on for us to go out and preach the gospel, for us to get out and be the priests of our homes and get our houses right. Because um, it's not happening all over. You know, I, I see churches that I go, man, is, oh, that's what you guys do? Wow. I don't know. You know, churches you're like, you know, Xavier, there's, you know, drinking, they're partying. You can't tell the difference between the church and the world now. You know, the divorces are just as high in the church as it is in, in the world. I mean, we do have to, we have to be set, set apart. God has said we need to be holy and set apart for him. And we need to be examples. I want to end up with this. Um, in Numbers 24.20, it says, Then he looked on Amalek. And he took up his oracle and said, Amalek was first born among the nations, but shall be last until he perishes. And 1 Samuel uh, 15, 2 says, The Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up out of Egypt. There was bad blood for a long time, guys. That's not good. I was, I was doing my devotional and I had... Uh, Picked up this this uh, devotional, 
I just want to end up with this and just read this to you guys. It says, just as God is made up of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, we're designed in his image to need, to need community. When Adam was alone in the Garden of Eden, God said it wasn't good for him to be alone. So God created Eve. Even Jesus, the Son of God, chose 12 men to be his disciples, his network of relationships with whom he could share the ups and downs of life. Today, look for opportunities to become closer to other brothers and sisters in Christ, guys. We need to love one another. You know, what did, uh, what did God tell the, uh, what did the Pharisees say to Jesus? He says, what are the two commandments? To love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And to love your, love your brother as yourself. That's what we need to do, guys. We need to just uh, come together and quit being, quit being separated and just learn how to love one another, guys. I mean, um, <laughs> it's not always easy, but it's what God wants. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father. Oh, yeah, Ralphie has a surgery on the 22nd. Also, I'll lift up my, my wife. She's pretty sick right now. Uh, just uh, hold her up in prayer, Deanna. Dear Heavenly Father, Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this time of fellowship, Lord. I lift up all my brothers here. And if anybody here is sick or, or hurting, um, Lord, uh, that we would just lift them up in prayer. And, 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 Lord, that you would touch his body. And if anybody here that, that doesn't know Christ, hasn't accepted Jesus Christ, has, or is not born again, um, come on up. And we'll, we'll say the prayer. We'll say the sinner's prayer. And, and you can accept Jesus right today. But, Lord, don't, don't leave here the way you come. You came. If, if, if you're sick or if you're, if you're not born again and if you, if you just need prayer, come on up. We'll say a prayer. And, Father God, I just thank you for my brothers here, Lord, my family, and how they lift me up, Lord, and how they're, they're so gracious to me, Lord. And, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this, for this church family of mine, these, these brothers and sisters I'll be spending eternity with, Lord. And thank you for putting me in this body, Lord under these pastors, Lord. And I just thank you, Father God, for, my, for the body of Christ here in, in Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, Lord. So go before us, Father. Everybody drive safely on going home, get traveling mercies for everybody, and just um, continue to love one another, guys, and continue to fellowship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.